yeah, I mean, we've got our first guest who's going to be coming out. Um, Federico is um, an amazing friend of mine, Federico Balanas from El Salvador. I'm going to read the bio because I'm rubbish at remembering all the poignant details, but Federico is the founder and coffee director of Viva Espresso, a specialty coffee roastery in El Salvador, which opened in 2006. Additionally, he's the barista trainer and coach of all the barista champions of El Salvador, 2008, 2009, that was his wife, Lily, 2010, which was uh, Alejandro, 2011, which was Alejandro, who then went on to win the WBC, and Daniel, who's competing today, uh, today at 2012. Other highlights in his career include uh, he's uh, a qualified Q grader, been a USBC championship judge, He's an all-round top man. Um, I have the pleasure of calling this man a really good friend. Please, a round of applause for Federico Balanus. Hello? There we go. Okay. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm really excited to be here uh, and be part of this amazing exchange of ideas. Does everyone hear right? Yeah. It feels kind of weird. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm a bit nervous just because uh, I get to talk to, to all of you, and normally it's the other way around. You're the people that I normally listen to, read about, and, uh, and constantly learn from. So. It's a bit nerve-wracking for me just to be here right now. Um, WBC normally looks like a one-man show. The truth is that uh, there is always a tremendous team behind them. So um, do not underestimate the power of uh, being part of a team. So the next step is uh, team up. You have to assemble your team, and that's you, your coach, your workplace, the producer of your coffee, your roaster, your family, and your friends. The combined expertise, support, and knowledge of this of this group will make you a much more stronger competitor. And I, I don't find a way to tell this more clearly, but believe me, it makes a huge difference. In 2011, Alejandro competed, and he had everything around him there on stage. I mean, Stephen Layton, he was the roaster, and he was there. His producer was on stage with him, and uh, for him, it was a great experience. It was the first time he tried his espresso in, in Bogota. And of course, he had family, he had friends, he had me as a coach. So he was well assembled. Do the same. Um, next thing uh, I want to talk to you about is the WBC training plan that, uh, that we normally use. Uh, 
So I came up with a five-step training program. Probably it's not the best one, uh, nor the only one, but it's the one that we normally uh, do work with. And the first step is to source your coffee. Next step would be to design and create your signature drink. Then um, you want to develop a routine. Fourth, you want to uh, refine that routine really well. And fifth, you want to uh, uh, practice for competition. I'm sorry. OK, so uh, after you have divided uh, your competition in steps, you have to figure out how much time you have left for WBC. So um, you should devote uh, at least 30% of that time for sourcing the coffee. You want to devote 15% um, for signature drink creation, 5% to develop your routine, 20% for refining that routine, and the last 30% to uh, practice for uh, your WBC performance. Um, this is not written in stone, but um, that's how we have done it in the past years, and uh, it has given us a couple of good results. So let's review each step more in detail. OK, uh, when you're sourcing your coffee, definitely source at the source, where, all, where it all begins for coffee. Uh, there you can learn about processing of coffee and the production of coffee in a more intimate way. You're going to be able to meet the producers. You're going to be able to walk the farms, see the mills, uh, touch and pick the coffees. And this will give you an insight and a way of experiencing coffee that will provide you more uh, security in yourself when you're up on stage. Knowing your chosen coffee and knowing uh, where it comes from or, or how it tastes it's not longer good enough. You have to go much more deeper than that. You have to understand why your coffee tastes the way it does. And that is always at the source. So um, once you have done this, you have to take one step further. And, and that step further is taking your single origin sourcing to a more uh, deeper level. That would be like custom designing every step from, uh, its pr from its production to its uh, processing of the coffee. I am talking of going from single origin sourcing to designer single origin sourcing. Uh, this will allow you to create specific flavor profiles that will stand out in the cupping table. And having said that, uh, having said that, uh, this will allow you to craft intentionally rather than coincidentally. Uh, so the, the next step is choosing your coffee. And when you're choosing your coffee, you have to remember, uh, you have to take into account that excellence, excellent coffee is no longer good enough. And this is really, really complicated because all WBC finalists bring excellent tasting coffee to the competition. Um, so uh, search for something different, something perhaps uncommon. And this is easier said than done because I know that when you're tasting coffee in a cupping table, you're normally going through so many coffees and you're saying, this is good. Wow, this is very good. Then you run into some that you say, wow, this is excellent. That's not your coffee. And this is weird. Because normally, all your body tells you that's the coffee you like the most. And perhaps that's not the coffee that's going to do well for competition. But then if you continue copying more coffees, you're going to run into one coffee that's going to make you say, hmm, this, this is weird. I've never tasted this before. This is completely unexpected. That's the coffee you want to take to competition.
once you have chosen your coffee, it's time to explore it, explore it as espresso. So um, take that coffee uh, for a ride and taste it uh, by combining all the variables under your control. And I know there's many of them, so you're definitely going to have fun in this part. That's why you need 30% of your time to work on all those variables out there. And you want to do this until you find the absolute sweet spot of the target flavor profile of the coffee that you crafted. And this is very important because remember that you are crafting for a flavor. You're not just uh, coincidentally finding that coffee. You, by this time, you have been at the farm, you have told the producer to do certain things specifically so that you get specific results. And until you find that, you have to keep on playing with the variables. Okay, once you have chosen the coffee, it's time for the next step, uh, which is signature drink creation. I'm a very big fan of signature drinks because I love the creative process involved. Um, and here's a few tips on how we do it. First of all, think of a concept. I know many baristas make the mistake of uh, when start to make signature drinks, they run to the supermarket right away and just start playing with ingredients. Instead of doing that, first sit down, brainstorm a lot of ideas, and just uh, think of what you want to share. Most often than not, it's an idea that will get the judges interested and not a combination of ingredients. Uh, when, you, when you think of a concept, remember a concept is the core idea behind your signature drink. And please, please be creative and original. I see so many baristas just copying others' ideas, and this lack of creativity will show on stage. And will just, it will just tell the judges that you're not cut to be a, a world champion. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, big risks equal big rewards. And I, I promise you, uh, you should not be afraid to test the most edgy ideas. As long as they are within the limits of the rules, you should definitely go for the edgy and the new risky ideas. Why? Because um, it just pays off more, much more if it works out. An example, examples of this uh, that I can tell you are, for example, William Davis. In 2009, that's the, one, the first one that comes up to mind, is um, I think he gave the judges the option of trying different ingredients to each and every one. So he didn't have control over the actual taste that he was serving the judges. I find that very risky, but it, for him, it meant the title. Uh, 2010, Michael Phillips, he used the third hopper so he could use a third coffee with only two grinders. They're wrecking for me. You, only, you can only dial in two coffees, and he used three, and it worked out really well. Alejandro, in 2011, he told the, uh, the, ju I mean, he told the judges to filter out the crema of his espressos. Uh, which is like a turnaround, it's like a run around the rules, very risky, but it worked out for him pretty well. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is to keep it really simple. For me, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication because if you can simple things down, it means that you can mas you're mastering what you're doing. Um, and here's a big tip. You want to make something simple look complicated. Most of the best signature drink ideas are the most simple ones, but they are made to look like complicated astrophysics. Uh, and here's a very good example. Uh, this is 2010 uh, in London, and Alejandro got fives and 5.5s for this drink, and he only used two ingredients. It was honey and lime. In my country, honey and lime is cough medicine. Uh, so it's very, very simple, but he made it in a way 
that uh, using a shower and just uh, all the story of the how he came up with the idea and how he managed to work with the things that it just looked really really awesome. So there you go. Uh, once you have uh, your signature drink, it's time to start working on a routine. Sorry guys. Okay. Um, when you're developing a routine, the first thing you have to do is to think of the order. Have a strategy on the order of the drinks that you're going to serve, of the three drink flights. Once you have that figured out, list every single action you want to perform in a routine sheet, like the one that I have over here. This is just an example over here. Uh, but make sure that every step is listed under the, all the categories of, the, of your presentation. Once you have done this, it's time to test that, that routine. Uh, to test it, make sure that you perform every uh, step that you have listed in the exact same manner that you had listed uh, to see if it works. To do this, use practice coffee, practice tools, practice clothing, and forget about timing at this point. At this point, what you want to do is to see if it works. So check that everything you want to do gets done. If something's not wrong, this is the time to make corrections. This is the time to make modifications and to jump into another idea if it definitely doesn't work. After you have done this uh, and that you have made sure that the uh, routine works, it's time to refine that routine. Uh, and refining that routine, the first step means that you will have to slim it down. You have to take all the unnecessary things and just compact it as much as you can. So uh, less is more. And the reason for this is because um, when you have less steps to do, the obvious thing that is going to happen is you're going to make much less mistakes. You're going to look more fluid on stage. You're going to have better station management. And um, overall, uh, it's just going to improve your chances of success. Uh, only actions with a purpose should stay. This is very important. I see a lot of baristas competing that perform three to four actions to m when they only need to make one. So think creatively how you can uh, compact that routine down. Uh, time, this is the time to start timing your routine as well. And um, maybe not a new one, but of course you have to aim to finish with at least one minute as a lifeline so that you can correct and make modifications uh, on stage if something goes wrong or if there is something unexpected happening. Um, once you have done this, you want to uh, draw a diagram of the three competition tables uh, and make sure everything that you're going to use, it is in that diagram. Then make a ch checklist of all the tools and ingredients on that diagram so you can go shopping. And you can make sure that nothing is forgotten and everything is ready for competition. We also need to talk a little bit about music and clothing. Um, I'm sorry, this is, this is falling down everywhere. Okay. Uh, okay, music. Music is very, very important because music uh, will give you cues and checkpoints of how far into your presentation you are. When you're choosing music, make sure you choose engaging music. And when I mean engaging music, I mean something you like, but also not only thinking yourself, Think about the judges and think about the audience. Perhaps you like rap music, and, uh, and that's a good one. I love rap music myself. But maybe it doesn't complement your presentation. Maybe the rhythm of, your, of, that, of that music is not for, uh, for your type of presentation. So think of that as well. Uh, and another important one is control the volume. Uh, most of the baristas that compete that I see, 
uh, make the mistakes of just giving out the music to the uh, audio people and just let it play. What we like to do is we like to sit down right next to the audio people and tell the guy, pull it up, turn it down, uh, and everything. Because music, the effect of music on stage is huge. And I learned this uh, by watching uh, Michael Phillips in 2010. I mean, his music was completely, completely more powerful than the rest. So also, we need to talk about uh, your tools. And the first thing is cups and glassware. Uh, when you're thinking about cups and glassware, the, the main thing to do, remember here, is that functionality is more important than luxury. I see many baristas thinking that they can win by buying the most expensive things out there. And this is not necessary. It has to work well for the judges. It has to work, work well for the taste of your drinks. Uh, but when you are going for tools and equipment, definitely invest in high performance things. You don't want malfunctions uh, of equipment on stage. We also need to talk a little bit about clothing. Uh, and this guy, is, he's a good example of this. When you are choosing clothing, uh, try to think of something iconic, uh, something that sets you apart from the rest. And this guy over here, like for example, uh, you all know him. Uh, he used these white straps. And uh, now for me, any other, I'm sorry for this, uh, Mr. Steve, <laughs> but any other barista that walks up on stage with straps, it will just remind me of him. And that's very important because this will allow the judges to have a clear picture of who you are and what you're doing, right? Uh, but at the same time, be sure it, it is stylish and it is professional because uh, you don't want to look like too crazy by becoming, by becoming iconic as well. Um, and uh, the last thing to consider is you want to feel comfortable. Choose clothing that is not too warm. The lights on stage are really, really strong and it will make you sweat. So you want to have clothing that lets you move around and that it's uh, cool. Okay, uh, we also need to speak about creating your, uh, your speech. And when you're creating your speech, uh, you want to take every opportunity you have to speak about coffee. Judges are not interested where, the, where, you, where you learn to swim or what kind of music you like. They are interested in hearing about the coffee you're taking and bringing to them. Uh, but design your speech to be talking about that coffee and performing at the same time. Do not make the mistake of just standing there and saying, oh, my coffee is here, and, okay, and I, I know the producer, and, uh, it's a, and without doing anything. Just continue doing stuff. And so multitasking is big, big, big for competition. Uh, choose words that you use often and you feel comfortable with. This is another important stuff that you have to consider because uh, you don't want to sound like you have rehearsed this to memory. You want to you be there and you want to feel for the judges like you know this, like it's your thing. It's something that you really feel proud of sharing with them, something natural. Okay, once uh, you have, uh, by this time, you have your coffee, uh, you have your signature drink, you have your gear, you have your speech, you have everything. So you need to start practicing. Uh, and when you're practicing for competition, you need to, to practice how you're going to load that cart. Uh, and this is very important. A lot of people don't do it, and they just ask for their friends, baristas, to help them uh, unload, uh, I mean, load the cart. And this is a big, big mistake. You have to do it yourself. And the reason for this is because when you walk on stage for the prep time, you want to know exactly where everything is on that cart. You don't want to be searching for stuff because other people put it there for you. So practice doing this. You also want to practice your station setup. And when you're practicing your station setup, 
the most important thing is that you have to, you have to use your time efficiently because you only have 15 minutes, right? So um, a good way, it's not the only way, but if you de devote seven minutes to this, it's plenty of time to set up all the three tables. Um, that will leave you with at least six, six minutes to test your espresso in the, in the last minute uh, and make sure that your, your grinder is dialed in well. Sometimes you have dialed in, in your, your grinder well, but then the, the climate in the stage is completely different. It's so much more warm because of the, of the lighting, and it changes the coffee, right? So this is the time to do it. And that's why you, at least six minutes. And then leave that last two minutes for cleaning and just have everything mise en place, like the um, um, French day, to have everything ready to compete. Uh, the most important thing to consider when you're doing all this is that you need organization. And you also need symmetry. Uh, it not only has to, you not only have to put everything that should be there, but make sure that everything is equidistant from one another. The better you look at this, the more it will show that you are um, a really world-class barista. Uh, actual competition practice. Uh, when you're practicing for competition, this is the time to do it with all your stuff. I mean, the real coffee. Make it as real as possible. Your real ingredients, your real gear, your real music, and your clothing. Uh, I learned this the hard way. Um, I, the first time I competed in the national for, for El Salvador, uh, I practiced with uh, regular clothing. But then, when I competed in the national, I spilled the milk all over the judges because my, my shirt, this part of the, of the shirt, was too big. So when I turned around like this, it spilled the music. Could have been avoided if I would have done it with the real stuff. Um, improve your consistency and technical skills. Until now, I haven't talked about this because I leave this part for last. If you have, win, if you have won the nationals, you should have good technical skills. But, so leave this last and the least you have to worry about is this. But do work on it. Definitely the best baristas out there do not make technical mistakes. Okay, so make sure that you improve on that. Um, have other baristas help on the sensory and the technical. So use the real WBC score sheets for this. It's better if you invite baristas that have judging experience. Um, and finally, practice over and over and over again. I mean, once you're tired, that's the time to continue going uh, until it feels like second nature to you. And this, this gets me to the final point that I want to talk to you about, which is excellence. Um, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. So let's make excellence a habit. Uh, to become a WBC champion, first seek to be a world barista, uh, a world-class barista at the most important stage of all, your workplace, with every single customer, with every single drink, every single time. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Thank you, sir. That was wonderful. Thank you. Some yeah. super, super valuable uh, uh, stuff there for people who are training to be uh, baristas. So thank you. Thank good you. Good stuff. I, I can imagine that being a really popular video online because so many people like want to compete. You know, they can use what you've put up there in their national competitions as well as World Barista Championships. So no, that's fantastic. Please grab a seat. We should sure. use these wonderful seats that WC have provided us with. That's better. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Are we going to talk as well? Yeah. 
So I, I kind of did loads of questions as we were going through. Um, I kind of started off with the teamwork things that you talked about. You were, you were saying like, you know, it's important to build your team. How, do you, how, as a barista, would you build that team? Is it important to find people who you respect or people that you get on with? Because you, you basically spend a lot of time in each other's company. I think that um, team, teamwork is so important that you definitely don't want to make, you want to choose the best people. But also, um, it's, it's a balance because you, maybe the best people out there do not uh, get along with you. So you want to feel right with those people. Um, and I think the best example that I can think of, and it's not because you're here, but uh, we, when we incorporated you to our, to our team in 2011, it was not only because we admired your work, but it, it also because you were one of the first people that wanted to say hi to us. You know, and it, you just felt right for us. You know, you felt um, forthcoming and, and true. And uh, uh, so, yes, definitely both things are important. Some of the, some of the things I've noticed with uh, teamwork, I think, is um, often it's better to have a slightly smaller team than a, than a spanning group of people because sometimes you get sort of mixed messages and it all gets a bit convoluted and confused. So what kind of skill sets do you want to have from the, the team members? Like... What are they actually doing? Is it, is it a roaster or is it, uh, you know, your manager or, you know? No, I totally understand your point. Uh, but you have to um, really filter out a lot of the information you're going to get from all your different team members. But I guarantee that uh, they're all going to spoon in uh, ideas that um, will be very valuable at some level. Uh, of course, you're not going to ask, you're not going to ask the, your friends that, only think of football, uh, of how to improve your technical. But they can sh definitely sh give you pointers on how you are handling yourself in front of the judges. Maybe they point out things that they only know about you personally, that uh, like maybe you have like a tick or like, you know, something that, they, that they, it's very obvious and they, only they are going to point it out to you. Uh, and then you have your roaster and your technical team, you know, like your grower, that are going to give you a really good pointers on how that coffee was processed and produced. So. Uh, for me, it's just a matter of get the best out of each one at what they are best at. I think seeing uh, it, kind of the team in action in uh, Bogota last year, it's, it's very important the way that Federico worked was that he told people when they were doing stuff. Yeah. So having a lead that is in like he told me, right, they're pulling espressos, Steve, go taste the espressos because yeah. as the roaster, I could give something valuable. Yeah. But if I was getting in the way, he'd be like, Steve, do you want to go over there out the way? <laughs> you know? it, all, it all seems wonderfully structured and I think that's really, really important to be on top of that yeah. kind of thing. Yes, I, I think no, no barista championship has ever been won without a list. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like lists are just so yeah. important. Um, and, and kind of going on from, from that, you were talking about the training plan, so how you have to find the coffee first and then move on. Yes. Do you think it's important for it to be that in that order? Or do, can, you, can you move things around? Because I know, like, for instance, with Colin this year, we had a problem because I knew the coffee I thought he'd want to use. Yeah. But... He, we didn't get it till three weeks ago. Yeah. So we had to move things around. Do you think that that creates a lot of problems? Or, I mean, is that a, a, the, the way you would always work? Um, I think you can do it any way you want. I do recommend doing it in this specified order. Just because uh, if you think of, uh, like for example, if you're making a routine and you don't have a coffee, you by this time you're going to be start doing your speech and you don't have your coffee and some ways of saying things are going to stick. They're going to change afterwards. And uh, it just, uh, no, I prefer a more uh, organized and structured way. The only step that I, could, I have 
combined in the past is the signature drink creation with the coffee. It's one of the things that while you're searching for that coffee, you can be uh, start, um, you know, uh, just um, thinking of ideas for the signature drink. But the rest, I would stop until you have both, the coffee and the signature drink, to start working on your routine and the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I really tend to agree that the, the coffee should be like one of the first yeah. things that you think about because obviously it's the most important thing. It's what we're trying to exactly. you know, do. You were talking about um, designing your single origin coffee that you were going to use. What specifically did you mean by that? Is that in terms of like processing or drying or you know, you know, varietal selection or what, what did you mean exactly by designing your coffee? Uh, the first time I read about designing your coffee was from an article of Willem Booth. Uh, in Roast Magazine, um, and he made me think a lot after I read that article, which uh, my approach to coffee before I read that was uh, I wanted to find a great, great coffee in a cupping table. But then I said, no, 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 I have to take a more proactive approach here. You know, I have to go myself and make sure that I get what I'm looking for. So going back to your question, uh, I think that you have to design every aspect if you can. I mean, all the way from how the coffee was... Uh, fertilized and uh, produced uh, to the way it is uh, processed as well. Uh, so it's, it's a good thing if you do this in origin because you're gonna learn and understand a lot with the effect of each of these steps on your coffee. And the more you do, the more involved you do, you are in, this, in, in these steps, the more uh, crafted your coffee is gonna be and the more unique coffees you're gonna find in the cupping table afterwards. So I think... Uh, I guess that's where um, origin countries have a huge advantage nowadays because they, they can work so closely with, uh, with the farms and the farmers and they can sort of have a, a, a direct dialogue and, and work on, on um, processing experiments and that kind of thing. And I think that's... Uh, in the future, I think we're going to see that uh, um, baristas from, you know, you know, the Scandinavian countries or Europe or, or, or Australia are going to have to visit Origin a lot more to, to have a, a better understanding of, of the coffee that they're using. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mentioned, I get here a lot uh, that now there is more of an advantage at Origin because of this, but it's actually very funny because when we started in coffee, we felt so much in disadvantage because all the information uh, that you could find and all the gear and all the things were, that you need to make the coffee with was not in origin, right? So uh, we had to go to destiny, like I call it, if you guys call it origin, I like to call it destiny, uh, to learn from you guys, you know. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't say that now it's at a disadvantage. I just think that it, it will definitely uh, have a different spin. Uh, and destiny country baristas they will have to go to origin and be more pro, uh, proactive in their approach to coffee. And this is just great. You see, I, I kind of tend to agree a, bit, a little bit, but also I think it's a, bit, it's a little bit of a disadvantage that you are, I mean, you're very lucky in El Salvador, you have a very wide range of flavors in, in your coffee and you can find from the different regions some very different cups. But certain countries produce a very definite profile and they, you know, if you're competing from that country, you've really got to use that yeah. coffee and I think that advantage can also be a disadvantage as well. That is very true. And, and you know, I... I, I the, it leads me on to my next question a little bit. Like, how important is the coffee in, in these competitions? You said there, you know, everybody's coming with excellent coffee, and I yeah. think, of course, the quality has to be there. But I don't know how important it is in barista competition now that it, it's a specific coffee or it's from a certain farm, or because there are so many of unknown farms that are coming through. I'm thinking, for instance, Daniel, that's going up today. He's using a farm that's never been. Yeah. 
sold as a specialty coffee really before has it you know and, and big time like you know known where in El Salvador you have lots of like Aida and yeah. uh, Ernesto and all of those headline coffees so uh, how important do you think the coffee really is for me it is the most important thing uh, this is a coffee competition not a not a not a barista competition, if that's uh, another way to put it. Uh, so for me, um, am I going to say a phrase that I learned from James Hoffman? Uh, a barista is only as good as the coffee he's using. And that really sums it up for me. I mean, he's not, he's not a wizard, you know. He, the coffee is the one that does the magic. So, so that said, um, you've obviously had plenty of experience working with baristas and coaching them. What are you actually going to be looking for in potential people to, uh, to train up and, and, and be world champions geez uh like is it obviously you were saying that technical skills is a given that needs to happen yeah. we need to search for a fantastic coffee that's a given as well but yes. i think you you do notice that um there's boosters with a certain amount of charm aspect they're very comfortable on stage in, in terms of, of talking they're knowledgeable so what, what are you looking for in uh, in potential barista champions for us um uh, I know this is going to sound a little corny, but I, I believe this 100% of the way. Um, I go for the heart. I mean, when you have people with a good heart, with good feelings, um, honest, loyal, those are the ones that you want to invest more time in and the ones you want to promote. Of course, you need the passion, you need all of that. But in the end, uh, that's the most important thing. And here I'm going to say, I love phrases, man. I'm going to quote Alejandro yeah, here. Right, yeah. yeah, I'm going to quote Alejandro here. Uh, he says, Make coffee with your heart, and your coffee will be love. I love it. You know, that's just your it's very romantic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I wish I would have come up with that. Kind of staying on the ideas of the advantages and disadvantages of origin, because it's rare that we get a chance to, you know, to talk to some, well, you, you first producing country to, to, you know, have a winner. How much of a, a, a difference or difficulty do you think English not being the first language is for a competitor? Do you think that that's a major disadvantage and, or do you think that that's changing now with Alejandro winning? Oh, yes. Um, this is definitely a topic that I would love to talk about more. I mean, uh, it's just terrible. Uh, just last, last yesterday, I was, I was watching some barista that doesn't have the English there, and it's, it's, it's not fair. Uh, I wish the WBC, this is an area that has to improve, come up with a creative way um, of how to uh, run around the way that it's been done right now. Um, in our case, for example, this year, uh, Daniel, he, he barely knows English but he's gonna perform his entire speech uh, phonetically, you know, and this is really, really hard, you know. That's amazing for me. Yeah, That's really impressive yeah. to have that extra sort of pressure. Exactly. So, uh, like the other day, I was, I was talking to some of the WBC people that maybe uh, they should think about, maybe they, the baristas that do not know how to speak English, maybe it's Japanese, maybe it's other language, Spanish, whatever, maybe they could show the judges a presentation before they compete, uh, of them already translated, like uh, just a five-minute presentation explaining the concept behind their, the signature drink, the concept behind their presentation, and just uh, his coffee, just introducing the coffee at least, you know, in their own way, you know, just translated. Not someone doing it simultaneously that just rips you off you there. Yeah, you know? breaks it down a little bit, yeah. yeah. So ha having said all of that, it's... Um it's been really great to see all the developments in the WBC over the years. Um, and obviously this year, one of the bigger ones is the, the change of the bar setup. Yeah. 
Um, and you, you were talking about multitasking, and this bar setup obviously uh, helps that a lot. You can talk to the to the judges as you're preparing coffee. But what other things would you like to see happen in, in rule changes or developments in how the competition is run? Well, um, there's so much. I've actually, um, first thing. Give us give us top three then. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, so, some of the things that I would love to see is, uh, like, I would love judges to try the coffees. Uh, without um, getting cues from the language. That, that would be the first one, right? Uh, that would be the first one that comes up. Another one would be, um, I don't know, another big one um, would be like having signature drinks into going into a little bit of a different direction. Uh, maybe because... Um, Right, um, this is your chance to participate and hopefully with the online streaming as well. Like, has anybody got any questions they'd like to ask? Like the current World Barista Champion trainer, yep, please questions. So anybody at all, any questions and I'll come down with the microphone. Nick, any questions before you walk past? Come on, you've got a question, you've always got a question. Just a wave, okay. The royal wave. So anybody? Thank no you. You've Thank got you. away with that lightly. <laughs> Thank well, you. I think all that is left to do is a big round of applause for Federico, our first speaker of the day. It's a big thing, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.